And now, God, open my mouth so that I can speak. Open our ears so that we can hear and open our hearts so that we can change by your power and through your grace. Amen. In my adult life, I'm a bit of a neat freak. Not compulsively so, at least I don't think so. Eric probably has his own opinion on that. But my parents will tell you that when I was a teenager, I was famous for having to be asked to clean my room. They will also tell you that I was equally famous for saying that I would, but then one hour, one day, one week would pass and everything would be just as it was, a complete and total mess. This was a consistent pattern for me. I thought if I just closed the door that it would be enough, uh, out of sight, out of mind. Then one day I came home from school to find a giant X of masking tape on the doorway uh, to my bedroom. The door had been locked and there was a sign on the door in big bold letters, this room has been condemned due to Hurricane Chris. It is off limits, keep out. I laughed at that at first, but the little key-type thing that would unlock the door from the outside was missing. So I watched some TV and waited for my folks who were out at the time to come home and greeted them with a ha-ha, very funny, to which my father replied, no one's joking. That room is off-limits, and he informed me that I was not likely to see the inside of it anytime soon. I very quickly stopped seeing the humor in all of this and protested. I asked him to tell me what was going on. He turned and asked me why I thought he was doing this and suggested that I go find some place to be quiet and think about what had led to all of this and what my role in this might be. My father's habit of answering questions with questions used to drive me nuts, and kind of still does, but, you know, we'll leave that here. Of course, my, from my teenage perspective, this was something that was happening to me, not something I brought on, so I sat in a chair in the living room and thought. Really, mostly I pouted, but I did some thinking, too. Was it because I disobeyed my parents? Maybe. Was it because I wasn't respecting their house? Perhaps. It was very odd, though, because my dad didn't seem to be angry, and I found that really confusing. What was going on? I was searching uh, for something that wouldn't box me into a corner of being wrong. I was looking for a way out, but I wasn't finding one, so I continued to sit there in that chair, not willing to admit defeat in what I affectionately refer to as the great bedroom standoff of 1987. <laughs> Today's gospel passage brought this memory back to the forefront of my mind. When Jesus is confronted by the chief priests and the elders, He's been causing more than a little stir. Jesus is disruptive. He's chased the merchants out of the temple, hung out with sinners and outcasts, and said more than a few incendiary things about the righteous people in the Jewish community. 
They are trying to figure out what is going on. They're wondering who this guy thinks he is and wondering how they can stop him from messing with the status quo. They question Jesus' authority and all to do all that he's done. And being as shrewd as ever, he questions them right back. Now, the chief priests are pretty savvy, and they know that however they answer, they're looking at problems. So they try to get around it by saying they don't know, which is basically a non-answer. So then, in his very Jesus-y way, he offers them a parable, which we know means he's up to something. But what? He tells them the story of a father who asks a son for help, and he declines. That same father asks a different son, and he agrees, but then doesn't follow through. Jesus asks them presumably an easy question in response to this parable, which one did the will of his father? Now, they got to be feeling pretty good, right? Because, I mean, it's totally obvious what the answer to the question is, isn't it? They answer that the first son ultimately did the father's will. In response to that, Jesus basically says, good job, right you are. Oh, and here's a mirror. Take a look at yourselves. Who do you think you are? This is definitely one of those moments with Scripture where it can be really illuminating to try to figure out who we are in this story, too. Before we can do that, I think a bit of context may be helpful. Before we get ready to condemn the chief priests and elders for being against Jesus, I want to point out that they were the chief priests and the elders. This was not simply some group of judgmental people sitting around only thinking about themselves or their own power. I'll grant you that that was likely part of the equation, but not the whole story. And to avoid a closer look is to avoid seeing what's really there. This was not just any group of men. These were the top guys, the guys who were responsible for keeping the community together. They were also the guys who were responsible for keeping the Romans happy. These two tasks were not always aligned, so to say they lived a complex existence is an understatement at the very least. They lived lives with very few easy answers. What they had that they could rely on was a code, a set of laws that they lived by. And if you threatened that, if you coerced the community or into revolt or chaos, you threatened the safety of the people they were responsible for. And they took that very seriously. As far as I can see, their critical mistake had more to do with the fact that they just couldn't conceive that God could work any differently than the way they understood God could work. They knew the law, and the law was right, and since they were the keepers of the law, they had to be right, right? I wonder about that. How often do we confuse knowing what's right for doing what's right. I think that is in part what Jesus is talking about 
It's not enough simply to know what's right. It's not enough to say we'll do the right thing. It's not enough to think about doing the right thing when if the opportunity presents itself, we let it slip away. And that's true, whether our response to, that is our response to racial injustice, homelessness, health care, or simply cleaning up a messy bedroom. We have to walk our own talk. That was my dad's ultimate point. It wasn't really that I disobeyed or that he felt disrespected in his house. It was that for him, my words became hollow because there was no action to back them up and he wanted me to see that. And I think that lesson is valid for us too in this time where Christian values are being touted and flaunted in so many ways, not all of which are compatible with the gospel. People are looking at us for signs of our authenticity. They're looking to see if we're really just giving them lip service. Because as Christians, we are people of the way. We must be people of our word. And by nature of our presence here today, I'm going to assume that our talk is indeed about the way of Jesus. And if our talk is about the way of Jesus, then our walk must be about love. Full stop. But there's more. The whole reason Jesus highlighted the tax collectors and the prostitutes to the chief priests and the elders, the whole reason he held up that proverbial mirror was to say this. It's never too late. The God who has loved you from before time and for all time and beyond time will always be there with outstretched arms, ready to greet you and welcome you into the heavenly country. It doesn't matter how you come or when you come. You can say no to God a thousand times and God will still be there and come for you until you say yes. God will never give up on you, and God will never turn you away. That is indeed good news for all of us, no matter who we identify with in this story. I believe that Jesus' exchange today was less about condemnation on his part and much more about compassion. He's saying to them and to us, don't worry. You haven't missed out. He's saying, wake up. He's saying, I will never give up on you, but you have to show up too. And it's true. We have to show up not just in what we say, but in what we do. And it's so much more than actions speak louder than words because the truth is, it's only our actions that are the things that really do speak. Everything else is just background noise. What do you want your actions to say about you?